Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is week two of our annual Crystal Ball Prediction Special. So happy to be here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and one who sent me her predictions in advance. Welcome. We're talking today about the future of mobility and manufacturing. I'm going to ask my guest to go on mute for just a second because we've got some background noise there. We are going to be talking about the future of those two very, very interesting topics. I want to do a shout out to series sponsor, the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, Judy Cubis, who was unable to join us today. Aswin Manapali is with us. He's formerly SAP, and he worked with Judy for many years on the series that used to be called The Future of Cars and now Mobility and Manufacturing. So, Aswin, we're happy to have you here, and everybody else as well. I'm going to do a little bit of crystal ball gazing on some popular, popular information, and let's see if any of you remember. I have a couple of buzz quotes here that have nothing to do with our topic, but I'm going to ask you all a key question. If anybody remembers, there's something called West Side Story. 1957. It was a Broadway play. It was Stephen Sondheim who left us last week, his Broadway debut, and it was turned into a musical film adaptation, lyrics by Bernstein and Elena Bernstein and Sondheim. Someday, somewhere, we'll find a new way of living. And that's the future statement. Now, hold on to that. Buzz number two. Here's a line from Willy Wonka, played by Gene Wilder. The song was Pure Imagination, 1971. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I'm Hungry. Composers Leslie Briscus and Anthony Newley wrote the song over the phone in one day. Now, think about this. It was 1971. What didn't they have that we have today in technology? We know that. The quote, anything you want to do, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. Oh my, and here we are, how many years later? And buzz number three, Dancing in the Dark, song made famous by Bruce Springsteen, 1984. What? So long ago, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, one of the 500 songs that shape rock and roll. Yay, Bruce, and the song is, You Can't Start a Fire Without a Spark. That's a line. So I'm asking all my guests today, could you have predicted in 1957 that we would still be quoting lines from West Side Story or readapting the play to another movie today, 65 years later, because Spielberg's doing it, okay. Would you be thinking we'd still be quoting Willy Wonka 50 years later? I'm sorry, West Side Story 65 years later, or quoting Dancing in the Dark 35 years later? You would have been quite the visionary if you'd predicted it. So, to my listeners, to my viewers, welcome to all of you on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you're hoping to gaze into the crystal ball for 2020, what does it hold for your company, your industry, the world? big question. We've got the next best thing. I've got a whole bunch of visionaries futurists with me today, and we're going to be talking about insights on the future of mobility and manufacturing or anything they want to talk about. It's really wide open. We are live today. It's December 8th. Where has 2021 gone? And we're going to find out what they think and what they see in the crystal ball. So let me just give you a very brief introduction to who's on the show with me today. As I say, Judy Kubis, Global Lead Industrial Manufacturing and Industry Manufacturing and Marketing for SAP. 
JP not with us, but we're doing a shout out to her. We have Aswin Manapali. He is now the Global Director of Industry Strategy and Marketing for the Automotive and Manufacturing Industries at Sitecore. Welcome, Aswin. We have Tom Madonna. Tom, we have to stop meeting this way. What do you want to show with me every week, all year now, on various series? Tom is Industry Executive Advisor for Automotive at SAP. We have Marcus Boleman with us. He's a Senior Account Executive and Partner Manager, as well as Problem Identifier and Solver. I love that title. I want that title. At MHP America's A Porsche Company. Welcome, Marcus. We have Carrie Brown. Hello, Carrie. She's a strategist, a thought leader, an international speaker, an expert advisor. That's a big business card, Carrie. On the future of work, change management, learning, and workforce adoption. She's been a good friend to me and my shows and brought me so many interesting guests and topics all through the year. Carrie, welcome back. We have Mukund Rayo. You can wave. Director in the automotive Automotive Industry Business Unit at SAP Americas and an automotive industry thought leader for two decades and more. Thank you very much. Cyan Bose, welcome. He works in the Global Industrial Manufacturing Industry Business Unit at SAP. Welcome, welcome. Richard Howells. Richard did a series with me, and I'm hoping he's coming back next year. He is the Vice President Solution Management for SAP Digital Supply Chain and a thought leader on Industry 4.0 and so much more. So welcome to everybody. I'm going to wait for Judy's predictions. I have them here, but I'll I'll insert them somewhere in the middle. I want to get all of you going here. So Aswin, I'm going to put you on speaker view, and would you please... Please do me the honor of giving us your predictions. Three and a half minutes. Aswin, yep. go ahead. Absolutely. Thank you. Pleasure to be on. I think one of the things that we're going to start to see in 2022 is that the end consumer or the end customer of mobility is going to have a direct vote in the way that their experiences are going to be shaped. And this is going to be a fundamental rethink of what experience means to the automotive industry. So let's take a step back and think about how the current processes are being optimized, right? A car, a design, an architecture gets pretty much locked down one year before job one. This is the Toyota way of doing things. And then you don't touch it for about two years. What you do is you make sure that you as an organization, your suppliers, everyone can get to that Six Sigma standard. Well, along come these new disruptive companies like Tesla and all of these startups that basically say, we can make these architecture changes on the fly. And what's really encouraging is that you're able to wring out a lot of cost. Now it's been empirically demonstrated that per unit, you can reduce the substantial cost by making these changes on the fly. That poses a very important and interesting question, which is essentially, what sort of changes are you going to make? Are they going to delight the customer? And that is going to fundamentally reshape, I think, the kind of questions that we ask of automotive customers. And your data sources, customer data, is going to become increasingly important. What sort of things are people looking at on their website? What sort of trouble tickets are people filing? So having that view is going to fundamentally reshape what it means in order to put your roadmap out there. And I think that vote is really going to reshape what we mean by experience. And it's just not customer experience anymore in the automotive industry. I think it's going to be, as Accenture calls it, the business of experience. And I think that will be really start to take hold in early 2022. The business of experience. What an interesting, I haven't heard the word, the phrase, delight the customer in a long, long time, as when we used to hear it all the time. And then we, we got into customer experience, customer centric, but I haven't heard the word delight. And I think we should actually bring it back. It's time. I'm just going to ask, does anybody have any comments on what Aswin said before I move on? You didn't use your three and a half minutes. So do you have anything else you want to add? 
Yeah, and I think I can dig into it a little bit more, right? And we talk about this idea of delighting the customer. And I want to go back to why I specifically and intentionally chose those words instead of something I already experienced. When you press the accelerator in a car, that is a delight that you can't match. And when you start to think about what is possible and isn't possible in that world, it's really about the emotions that drive it. Because if you think about it, right, a car is a capital asset. It sits idle for 95% of the time and people are not using it. And how can you build that emotional experience and you guys out of everyone in the world know what the kind of future looks like, right? Self-driving vehicles and things like that. Bringing that delight, understanding what the customers want, quickly quickly being able to make those changes on the fly in your architecture and making sure that your next iterations of your product are going to reflect that are, I think, personally incredibly exciting for me. And I think they're going to reshape the way the people that listen to their customers the most and best are going to be the ones that ultimately win out in the end is what I'd add as an addendum. Thank you very much. Let's go to Tom Madonna. You're up. Full-time speaker view here. Regale <laughs> us with your visionary wisdom, Tom Madonna. Go ahead. So, Bonnie, I actually went back and looked at last year's predictions, and I actually was over 75% or batted over 750. So it was interesting. So I'm going to make a, a few today that will be extensions of last year's and uh, some new ones. Uh, first one, flying taxi. Proof of concept will be in production and release by mid-22. I expect it'll be done in two or three of the larger uh, cities, but the flying taxi is here. Really? Second one. Would you take one, Tom? Will you take one? I will take one if it's got a driver to it. I will not take one if it's autonomous. (laughs) Thank you. Just wanted to check on personal input. Okay, go ahead, Tom. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Second one, and I'll I'll, I'll prime this one for Carrie. I think talent management's here. So we talked about delight the customer. Uh, You've seen it. You've seen it with the the great uh, resignation. You got to delight the employee. The employee's got to be there. It's got to be in in person. It's got to be an execution model is there. I think 22 becomes the year of the employee. I think it's uh, big organizations taking care of the employees, uh, making sure that uh, their experiences are are where they want to work uh, and what they want to do and where they want to do it, Adam. Because I think you're going to see a, 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 an ongoing conversation about uh, the ability to work remotely. You know, we, we've proven out through the pandemic that uh, it works and it can work. Number three, the Apple car, and this leads into my number fourth, but the Apple car will be in production and be able to be purchased, ordered by the end of 23. I think what we've seen at this point in time with uh, Fcom, X, Foxcom and other platform manufacturers, the ability to put a platform on production and running in a matter of 12 to 18 months, it's there. Now the question becomes, who does Apple want to basically work with? So my fourth prediction kind of plays into two of those three predictions. And that is technology is going to move the car from hardware to software. And it's no longer going to be uh, a platform of a hardware manufacturer. It's going to be a software exceptions process. Software in the vehicle will continue to become the dynamic IP of that particular execution. You've seen that with Stellantis' announcement in the last 24 hours of creating a $23 billion company just to do software releases. You've seen that with a Ford release that's basically getting into services in regards to execution models. Software will be the new king. And lastly, 
I think this is kind of one of the things I found interesting in my 21 prediction that's kind of gone through all the way to 21 and it's going to affect us in 22 and possibly all the way through 23. Disruption, supply disruption within this industry is here to stay. And it becomes now a risk management process that the organizations, the C-suite, and the execution models have to accommodate an ever-going, ongoing process of supply chain disruptions. Let it be nationalization of their supply chain, bringing things back onshore. Let it be an execution model that allows for multiple suppliers to basically contribute. But the execution of that supply chain, the ability, and this is my even going to what Richard might, might, might say, the execution of that, the fragmentation of the OEM to the suppliers this year and last year is imperative that that marriage get back on track because right now it's not. We see execution models. We see the ability to get a divorce very quickly to move on to your next partner and off you go. You saw that with supply chain of the, of the semiconductor. The execution model was imperative. Hey, you don't want to buy my stuff? I'm going to go sell it to somebody else. And that's what they did. They took all those semiconductors and they started putting them in all the personal electronics. So the execution, that marriage has to be fixed. They've got to go through marriage encounter. They got to basically be, you know, back on track. The fraction that's there needs to be corrected. And that's going to mean a softer general execution model in supply chain as compared to a mandated from the, from the mountain, here's what we're going to go do. And I think that's going to see impacts through 22 and most likely into a good portion of 23. Tom, thank you. Dynamic as always. And thank you for looking back at your predictions last year. I'm honored that you took the time to do that. But does anybody here besides me remember a magazine called the Ladies Home Journal? Anybody? Oh, thank you, Carrie. You rescued me there, dear. The reason is that it had, I think it was weekly. It was a glossy magazine read by millions of people way back before any of our technology we have today. And they had a column called, Can This Marriage Be Saved? Tom, I'm thinking of you when I said that for what you said. Thank you for that, that picture concept there. Let's go to Marcus. You're up next. Marcus, predictions, please, and welcome. Yeah, thank you for, for having me. And uh, Tom, really interesting points there. Kind of leads to some things I, I was going to say as well. So I'll start off with a quote. I'm a quote person. So as the great Mario Andretti said, if everything seems under control, you're not going fast enough. And that really applies to, well, let's, let's lump together 2020 all the way to now or even 2019 to now. Um, and number one topic on there, as, as Tom hit on, is talent retention. Um, it's not just about the hiring and growing, it's how do you retain that talent? And the pandemic has shown us that that needs to be the focal point for, for every company. Um, you know, and the companies that really have a clear vision, who listen to in their in- employees and value the individual are the ones that are going to get, you know, become leading in that area of retaining their talent. Now is the time with these types of challenges that sets the leaders apart in different companies. And that's my prediction for 2022. You'll see people who have companies that implement that, leaders who have listened to their employees and have a clear vision for talent and retention. They're going to, in 2022, really be leading the way with that. And that involves planning and even, even the hiring process. So that's, that's my first point there. The, uh, the second one really is the acceleration of EVs. We've seen that this year already in previous years, but battery advancement is one of the things that for 2022, um, I see moving even faster. That's going to more of a solid state. 
you'll see with every EV car that comes out, new iteration, longer, you know, capabilities and things like that. As the ranges increase, well, the infrastructure needs to as well. Um, so the charging stations, we're getting more out there. There's more companies doing that. There's more investment going into that. So you'll see that expand, I think, even more. Europe is leading the way here. And um, U.S. Is, is working to catch up. And my prediction is that as the manufacturing comes back to the U.S., you're going to see a lot of companies in the U.S. not only looking at building EVs, but platforms. So I think Tom mentioned that earlier. The platforms that can then be put into multiple different things. And you also see from going to four wheels to two wheels, um, so motorcycles, and also looking at you know off-road vehicles, all these things that are going to benefit from the hype that's coming from automotive EV. So all these other areas are going to benefit from that. That leads to, to my third point, is really manufacturing becoming much more flexible. Um, as I mentioned, EVs are going to be, um, you know, production will move to the U.S., but other, also in, uh, manufacturing in general. How can you be flexible um, during, we learned this during the pandemic, how can you, for example, do a asset as a service for, for shop floor equipment? Um, so how are the suppliers of the equipment working with the OEMs? And then also how are OEMs able to produce different platforms quickly and effectively? And having one line that is the same thing or having to shut down and move over. So how are you bringing automation and intelligence into your shop floor to do that? Um, basically, you're improving your base and your backbone. So how can you scale and be agile? Um, that has really been something of concern in the last few years where companies are looking at that now and accelerating that much quicker than before. Maybe they're looking at before the pandemic eight years from now. Well, that eight years turned into this year and next year. So that acceleration of disruptive innovation and, and leading the way of transformation, the companies that started that last year and the year before, they're going to reap the benefits in 2022. And you're going to see them as the leaders coming out of this. And to the final point, I think uh, Tom hit on most of it already though, supply chain. The ones who have positioned themselves and adapted this past year are going to reap the benefits in 2022. If you're starting on it now or looking to start in January, you're catching up. Your competition has started that already and is ahead of you. So those are my, my main predictions. The final one is a personal more prediction in the sense of I'm a Formula One car fan and my prediction is that Ferrari will finally get their act together and uh, make it to the top again of Formula One. That is a more <laughs> wish in a prediction, I think, at this point. As soon as you said Formula One, everybody's heads went up and down like this. So I went to a gallery view, Marcus. Thank you. Anybody have any comments back for, for Marcus? I We're good. One, yeah, go ahead. One thing I'd add would be that um, the acceleration of BEV and the, and the battery structure has is, is put a new wrinkle into the supply chain of the battery. And I think, you know, infrastructure is going to be one piece, but second in, and I actually listened into uh, another conversation that happened uh, two weeks back and they were talking about, um, you know, fuel dependency in regards to today, you know, are we fuel dependent in regards to oil and gas, et cetera. Tomorrow it's metal dependency. And so I think one of the things that's pretty interesting about this, you start looking at the solid state and you start looking at the execution and the, and the minerals and mine and, and, and metals that are physically going into those batteries. We have to come up with a different way of, of executing that because right now we are dependent. We are highly dependent upon Asia in regards to that. There are a couple new things out that are coming that are basically going to be uh, US and European based. Um, but at this point in time, if that does not change, 
that may be the next disruption in the supply chain is not having the metals to physically produce the product. Thank you, Tom. And you and I spoke with Amy Dale at Infosys on another podcast I host about a week ago when she talked about steel and that automotive companies need to have a good relationship with steel because there's going to be more different metals are going to be called called into action. And there was a big headline in Forbes she cited on the show. And steel is going to be where are you? How do we how do we make peace with you and how do we get you? So thank you, Marcus. Thank you for sparking that conversation with Tom. And now we're going to go to Carrie Brown. Carrie, welcome. Welcome. You've been traveling. You've been all over the place. As you said, you're not sitting home reading a book. You're part. Can I say you're part of the Great Resignation era? You, you can't. You can't. I join. I joined the statistics. Yes. Okay. Why don't you regale us with your visionary comments on our topic today, Carrie? Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I looked at you know when I think about mobility and manufacturing, really. I love Thomas's comment and Marcus's comment around, you know, the year of the employee and the focus on wellness and, and so forth. The great resignation is a real thing. If you haven't heard about it, you know, 15 million people since April have resigned from their jobs. It's an enormous number. And so when I look ahead at 2022, I would sum it all up and I'll go into some points that, that detail this, that people are going to be a priority. And so around talent, whether it's attraction, retention, development, but really looking at wellness, both physically, professionally, personally, emotionally, all of those things are aspects that individually and as organizations we're gonna to need to address. So a few things to think about, some that might be new, some that we talk about a lot. First one we talk about a lot, hybrid workplace. Uh, that's not a new thing to anybody anymore. What I do think is gonna be different, I think the focus is gonna change. It will be a focus on the front line. So those workers that really continue to be front and center in all of the industries that we're talking about right now and the businesses, I think there's going to be a rebalance in terms of what's a priority job, what is the talent you're seeking and, and seeing as being vital and critical to business continuity, whereas some of those resources might have been considered more disposable or the retention wasn't necessarily the focus in that space, that focus I think is going to grow. We've seen that in trucking, we've seen that in a lot of areas where the need for talent, the need for capabilities is really a gap and so while there's been a lot of focus and attention on working from home how does that look how much time and so forth i think we're going to see a focus on the front line because the frontline worker is becoming farther and fewer in terms of finding and gaining and retaining them if i look at uh the next challenge presenteeism so you know absenteeism leaveism presenteeism absenteeism i'm not at work leaveism i take time off presenteeism i'm here but i'm not really getting much done Statistically right now, $150 billion a year is lost in presenteeism. On average, the statistics show that we typically lose about four days per person in terms of not showing up for work and being absent. On average, it's actually looking at about 57 days of presenteeism where we're not really getting as much done as we might want to. That hybrid workplace we talked about is growing and challenging that. If you look at a lot of the folks on this call, we've had careers where working remotely was not a new thing for us and we have rhythms and patterns that support that. The whole world had to go into that and really haven't quite figured out what are the boundaries? How do I work? When do I work? When do I stop working? And that takes me to, in terms of, you know, what do we do about that and where we focus is mental wellness. You know, the pilot light of exhaustion is high for everyone. It's been on high. You know, it's not just been a trickle in the background. And we've had this collective human experience that I think has brought, you know, every senior leader has paid more attention to people than they did in the past. And so that ability now and requirement now to focus on mental health 
is one, you know, I commented last year in terms of COVID, once we get through the physical health challenge, you know, safety, wellness, you know, the, the, the practicalities, emotional and mental health is what's going to come next. And I was listing this week, you look at 911 is going from being 911 to 988. You know, how do you start helping people? There's a new number coming. So if you've got a challenge that is not necessarily an emergency in terms of fire, police, et cetera, but what number do you use if you've got a, a personal wellness issue or a mental health issue? So I think for organizations, that really is going to be a tremendous focus um, because the, the need around employee experience is just not just on engagement, but looking at how do you deal with grief and loss. Next step, connectedness. You know, connectedness for all of us. This is our connectedness. I read Bill Gates' article. He looked back at 2021 and commented himself on the number of days he had where this is the most social activity he had. And you would think, well, Bill Gates can do whatever, however, you know, he is somebody who had the same challenge we all did in terms of connectedness. So my prediction around that is organizations are going to continue to seek 3D experiences with people, but they're also going to need to look at new ways in terms of how to connect people when they aren't together. You know, I participated in things when I was at SAP um, with companies like Cloverleaf where we did Myers-Briggs and DISC and Strength Finders and understanding each other because we were never going to meet in person. And so I think that requirement for more organizations who will continue to have people that they haven't met. Last week I went to New York and I met an employee who I hired, worked with, and then I left and I never met them and they happened to be visiting from the UK and I went to say hi in person and, and hug them and say hello. So I think we're all seeking that connectedness in organizations. You look on LinkedIn, there's a ton of attention on, hey, we're seeing each other for the first time and a lot of excitement. So I think we're going to need to continue to balance both how we create that opportunity, but also how we create that connectedness when we can't. And lastly, um, I'd say the, the opportunity around figuring out what's happening. So I think people analytics are going to grow. And the measurement around that we've had in manufacturing at refining and tweaking and looking at all the, the details for how to make sure that what we make has that kind of quality and precision. I think we're going to use people analytics to look at more than just turnover and understand what is and isn't working, where we are and aren't thriving, to be able to look at what is the right way to support role-based focus on learning, attention, time, to find that Goldilocks sweet spot for everybody. Um, because really back to the point of resignation, I think it's going to be the year of choice. We have boomers who've legitimately really, you know, that wave of boomers who have left the official workforce and are looking at that gig economy is enormous. So the bulk of the workforce really now isn't locked into, I stay where my kids are and school is and so forth. So we've got you know, the remaining boomers have a lot of choice. We've got Gen X, who's really still in that. I've got kids and so forth. And we've got that whole millennial generation and now Gen Z with a ton of choice. And with the lack of um, pensions and so forth, golden handcuffs don't exist anymore. So the fluidity of the workforce is growing. So the focus on choice is there and the requirement to create that experience where we want to stay, as Marcus pointed out, is going to be key for all these organizations to have a predictable workforce to play with. Carrie Brown, 
You never disappoint. You always amaze. Thank you very much. I can see you've been busy and staying in touch. All of your trekking around the world has not challenged your ability to see and to think and to be a visionary. Thank you so much for coming back in from the wilds of New York to join us. I want Mukun, you're next, Mukun, but I want to take a, a moment to read Judy Kubis's predictions before we get too late. We got plenty of time for our last three panelists. So let me just read these. Judy says, it is amazing how much transformation the industrial manufacturing industry is going through and how innovative and responsive industrial manufacturing companies have been over the last two years, meaning since the start of the pandemic, especially given how much disruption they've had to face and will continue to face. Number two point. Judy says, I don't think that disruption has come to an end. Tom, to your point, industrial manufacturers are going to have to double down on technology and digitalization over the next year to remain competitive and continue to grow. That means implementing and scaling the use of technology that helps them become a digital and intelligent manufacturing company. Number three, this is not a one-size-fits-all. The specific type of technology and the focus will vary, but Judy sees the following key areas. Continuing to leverage IoT, Internet of Things, edge computing, Industry 4.0 strategies. Richard, that focus is on you. Combined with the ability to collect and analyze all this data in near time will help manufacturers continue to improve and automate manufacturing processes and especially this is for you, Carrie, especially using technology to enhance workers' experiences and safety and to attract new workers, retain existing workers, as there is a war on talent by blending technology with operations using AR, augmented reality, to supplement skills, training workers on the job. Point number four, predictive analytics and artificial intelligence will be used to monitor equipment and provide real-time insights to workers. Focusing on talent will be critical. Point number five, I'm almost done. Sustainability will be important and will be a factor in attracting talent, customers, and investors. They will need to be able to collect all relevant data so they can understand the environmental impact of operations and suppliers and effectively report on compliance. But more than that, through providing insights on environmental factors, industrial manufacturers can set sustainability goals and monitor and make decisions to achieve those goals. And finally, Judy predicts we will see new business models moving more to service-based or value-based offerings, Marcus agrees, based on the products or the data they provide. So, Judy Kubis, thank you for sending your predictions. I saw a lot of nodding while I was doing that. Marcus likes those. We got applause, Judy, if you hear the tape. Okay, Mukund Rao, you're up next. I'm putting you on speaker view. Please incite us, insight fill us with your predictions. Mukund, go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. You're welcome. So I'd, I'd like to take a step back. So in my opinion, uh, not necessarily in the next one or two years, but this period is the second biggest inflection point in the automotive industry. The first being the advent of the ICE engine. So today we see you know, the term CASE being bandied about a lot in automotive. It stands for Connected, Autonomous, Shared, and Electrified. I think in, uh, in my last... Uh, radio cast with you. I talked a little bit about the electrification and the advent of batteries and how it will revolutionize the coming few years. But today, I think I'll concentrate on one of the biggest ones, which I think will revolutionize the automotive mobility industry and turn it upside down. What I'm referring to is the autonomous part. That's why you see a lot of new companies jumping on this bandwagon every day. This week, we saw Intel 
Intel has is wants to float a new company where it's talking only about self-driving cars. And the reason why I say it will revolutionize it is the consequences of a level five autonomy is tremendous. It will impact everybody in all different aspects of life. You know, whether it's an OEM, if it's a beast, what I would refer to and, you know, classify it as a bespoke transportation. So basically you will see robo taxis everywhere. Yeah. In the, and you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of time. Everybody has an app. They just type in where they want to go, when they want to go a particular uh, vehicle suited, whether it's for the beach drive or for the mountains, it will come, pick them up and, and you know, take care of them. So just think about it, what it impacts, how it impacts the OEMs. People may not buy the cars, you know, as today, you know, you might have a family of four. If they are adults, they might have four vehicles. So the ownership will drop drastically. So the GDP currently is being measured by, you know, one of the biggest components is number of new vehicles sold. It's gone. So all those things, whether we like it or not, it's coming. The car purists say, yeah, I need to feel the, like Ashwin mentioned, you know, he needs the satisfaction of hitting the acceleration and seeing the engine roar. But in the end, sorry to say Marcus, but it might go the Ferrari way, yeah? So it will be like, the, it will be mostly relegated to racing the cars, you know. In terms of transportation, I think it will totally change, you know, whether it's, it's, it's and it's for the good. One of the, 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 uh, the benefits have been already talked about many times about the safety, you know, a million, vac a million people die every year from the car accidents, according to WHO. All those will be eventually taken care of. My point being, not maybe 2022, but in the next two to three years, at some point, of course, you see Tesla already kind of, uh, you know, running in the beta version, but the autonomous part will eventually be at a point where it is ready to be adopted by the greater public. You know, there will be, of course, a few hiccups in the beginning, but what it will bring and what it will change will revolutionize the automotive, you know, whether it's the insurance, you know, as, as a father of teenage kids, I feel the angst every time my kids take the car out to drive. Hey, one more thing taken care of. So all these things will, will you know, it will fall into place. And why I see say it is revolutionary compared to the others like electric or shared is because it radically changes. It's no, it's, it's more transportation and, and the vehicle is more of a commodity. The, all the new what we see in the market and people and the OEMs and suppliers are already thinking about it currently is they, we will see the advent of big fleet managers. There'll be operations where all these companies have a big pool of vehicles. All they do is figure out how they can be used the most. Like Ashwin said, 95% of the vehicle is sitting, you know, of the time it's sitting in the garage. Now, when it's a fleet operations, you need to figure out the best way and the most efficient way to use this pool of vehicles. Not only, you know, of course the electrification will, you know, bring into focus that, you know, there are less number of moving parts. Maybe it's a norm that the vehicles are driven a million, a million miles in their whole life, lifetime. But the fact is the OEMs are really scared about the brand loyalty. If it's a commodity, how can they keep their business viable? 
these fleet management is coming it's a big thing a lot of software companies are coming up with solutions in order to be able to cater to that kind of a business context so you know that's that's the big thing that i would like to talk about and you know just to uh, back to uh, inflection point number 1 henry ford noted that if i had asked people what do they want he said they would have said faster horses <laughs> at this point i think if we talk to people they will say hey no 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 we need better cars driving cars but in the end the autonomous will change what a vehicle or a car is it will be a transportation module more than you know uh, uh how should i say these days classified as some something which is mandatory could be transportation and pleasure vehicle all those kind of things so so the it will be radically changing what we think of as automotive and mobility thank you mckun great predictions kerry has raised her hand talk to us go ahead just a comment also when you think about when we're talking about the workforce and the population changes it's not just your teenagers on the road that we need to worry about there's more and more people on the road who are getting older and older who it's going to be great when they can stop being on the road and be safe and have the availability to have safe travel so that really is a situation we are we're hitting really quickly yeah i mean um, from that perspective also people might start living in you know no longer in cities if it's a, if it's a safe electrified vehicle they can live you know from bigger houses away in the rural areas you know much more uh, better lifestyle and you know let the vehicle uh, take them around <laughs> i live in a golf cart community i have to tell you and we have parades on holidays and people decorate motorcycles they have and vintage mustangs they have gorgeous colors by the way and the golf carts are decorated with flags and with banners and it not everybody of course there are a lot of high end cars here but anyway I just had to say yes thank you Carrie don't don't prevent older people from driving please but <laughs> but 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 it's it's autonomy independence is self esteem a lot is tied to that however if you make shopping centers close enough we can't really endanger too many people i didn't say we i mean they okay let's go to Cyan Bose i love my car so Diane Bose, you're up next, my dear. Go ahead. I called you my dear because I like you. I like all of you. Go ahead, Cyan. You're up on Speaker View. Thank Predict. you. Thank no, you. Thank you so much. And honestly, I was thinking through the, all the comments from Tom, Ashwin, etc. So you guys are essentially talking about cars, vehicles. But don't forget, you need machines to even produce those cars. You need those infrastructures for autonomous fleets or EV vehicles so that these cars can go into across the country. And that's where my world starts in is to ensure that the right kind of renewable sources of energy, uh, infrastructure, et cetera, is available. So in my view, number one, uh, prediction for industrial manufacturing is all about actions for sustainability that's something i am seeing because there's a lot of talk which has which got triggered in 2021 which is good and now i believe there is going to be action and when i mean action the actions are going to be across looking at industrial manufacturers their portfolio towards sustainability what kind of equipments what kind of robotics what kind of big complex machine shops that they machine shops and manufacturing machines that they make how are they sustainable can they also run on renewable sources of energy so on and so forth so that's something they're going to be focusing on number 2 this row goes to richard how can they even make technology play a crucial role to drive sustainable manufacturing operations within the four walls of the company 
that's more important and i'm going to see more actions being taken now and when i mean sustainable operations within the factory it's not just on the machines but also carry to your point on the people how can people work at ease and they also have processes and practices which are towards a sustainability so if i'm even if i in the factory floor just take an assumption i'm drinking a bottle of water from a bot plastic bo- bottle can i reduce that just at that lowest level to impact on sustainability so those are the kind of things i see on the sustainability fact number 2 again going towards the circular economy concepts going towards newer business models and what we all saw across from 2020 2021 is the fact that manufacturing companies machine shops all of them are going to have a newer service based business models and i think judy also spoke about that that is something i'm seeing a lot more getting a lot more traction across boards and now again it's time for action we will hopefully see many companies now carving out newer businesses subsidiaries exactly focusing on service based business models and that drives ashwin to your point of customer delight not just the experience because after market service is essentially all about giving customer delight and if they can do it in a most effective way and create a business model around it that's something i'm i'm predicting that for 2022 onwards more money more investment dollars from companies to enable and serve the people and society at large number 3 um all of us we talked about technology artificial intelligence my colleague judy talked about predictive analytics i also believe the new world of software industry where we are all talking about low code no code based applications working on a platform developing applications for manufacturing companies so that you can solve the unique problems of yours which are very specific to a manufacturing company i see that coming more aggressively which means more digital technologies being adopted and which are of ease to use so that is something i definitely see as a big thing for 2022 last but not the least everyone talked about supply chain to me it's not going to be chain anymore 22 onwards and and i think marcus you were right some companies started thinking about it but i think now if you are still working on it it's the supply network so it's all about network not just your first suppliers your suppliers or tier 1 tier 2 suppliers but it also about the entire ecosystem through which the oems work to provide that just look at this topic of automotive companies working with industrial manufacturers and renewal sources manufacturers to ensure electric charging points across the country right so it's a network so that's something i'm i'm my prediction is we will see more emphasis of creating more industry specific networks to serve again the society at large so those are the four predictions from my side for the world of manufacturing Thank you. I have to tell you that you just created a big problem because the public at large learned to say the phrase supply chain and talk about it all the time at what we used to have for cocktail parties and even Zoom calls. Have you heard well I couldn't get my screen door for 6 months. I couldn't get my computer for 3 months and now you te- you have to teach them saying to say supply network or supply ecosystem. 
big cultural problem. We're going to have to work with Carry On Change Management for that. Thank you, Richard Howell. So happy to have you here. It's been quite a while since we spoke, and I'm delighted. Please regale us with your predictions for 2022. Richard, welcome. Well, thanks, Bonnie. And uh, it's great to, to go last and listen to everybody because I've created loads of notes that, uh, that I can refer to as uh, uh, moving forward to next year. But my predictions are focused around four main words, resiliency, sustainability, visibility, and technology. Um, supply chains, as you mentioned, are, have been at the forefront of every discussion at presidential briefing rooms, in company boardrooms, and in family dining rooms. It's, a, it's amazing that supply chains have risen because, because of the risk that has been exposed due to the pandemic. Um, which means that for the past 20 months, the word that everyone was using to describe what they were looking for was resiliency. We've had supply chain shortages, semiconductor imbalances, port blockages, disruptions affecting the holiday season. And that's just at the end of 2020. So that isn't going to change to, um, I think it was Marcus's point, or maybe Tom's point, that isn't going to change in 2022. We're still going to be, need to be more resilient and more risk averse and companies tend to be more risk averse uh, because we're still going to see cargo ship challenges, labor shortages, mm -hmm. supply and demand imbalances with semiconductors and many more things. Um, so if, and, and Marcus pointed this out, if you haven't started already, the ones that, that have, have started to plan around this to become more resilient, to be, to, to manage their risks better, will be in a much better position going into 2022 than their competitors. Have you been looking at, at balancing your onshore, nearshore, offshore strategies? Have you looked at alternate sourcing strategies for key products or inventory optimization strategies for key products? And to um, Sian's point, collaboration across that network is critical to better manage your, your business processes. Um, and if, if, if resiliency was the key word last year and will continue this year, I think the next big thing will be sustainability. Um, for, the, for, for the 2020s, not just 2022, but, but probably for the rest of my lifetime. Um, and supply chains are a major contributor, and manufacturing as well, are major con contributors to the sustainability issues around the world. But there's also a huge opportunity within manufacturing, within the supply chain, to address these challenges. Um, we talked about autonomous vehicles. We talked about um, improving... Uh, the environmental health and safety of employees. But so, so sustainability is top of mind with most executives. Most companies have their corporate mandates or mission statements around sustainability. But 2022 is when the, as most of the companies, people here have been talking about manufacturing where the rubber hits the road uh, from an automotive perspective. <coughs> and, and we need to put the strategies in place and the processes in place across that supply chain. And to be able to be resilient and sustainable, you need improved visibility. You need to get access to the information. You can't manage or measure what you can't see. So we have to have better visibility and empowering the employees to have better decision-making tools for their specific jobs. We talked about attracting and, and keeping talent. You've got to provide them the tools to make them think that you're a company in the 21st century. I should be able to use everything that I can use at home my mobile phone, my tablet, in work, in a work environment, and have the decisions at my fingertips or the information at my fingertips to make those decisions. Um, 
who was talking about demand visibility and improving, get better, better access to demand. Um, that is all around providing the data from social media, from uh, sentiment analysis, from point of sales information, as well as the sales forecast to improve the demand visibility. And you can go through every role in the business and see examples where improved data and improved visibility can help drive better decisions. And technology is the great enabler of all of that. That was mentioned several times by, by several of the panelists here. Uh, leveraging the data generated by the Internet of Things and so, social media and putting it into the business context to make better decisions, whether that's through predictive analysis, whether that's through machine learning, whether that's artificial intelligence. And I see that that technology, especially in the manufacturing space, where we're seeing more and more smart factories, will come to the forefront uh, in 2022. And as we generate and design smarter and smarter products, the data coming back from those products will help drive improved um, products, new products into the market in 2022 as well. And my computer just pinged, so I'll stop talking. <laughs> Richard, thank you very much. Very, very interesting. We've got six minutes left, and I want to go around the table with some some questions for all of you. I'll just go around the the. I can go in the in the order we had. So, my questions for all of you are: If autonomous cars get to be really safe by the end of 2022, and I'll tell you, there's a an engineer researcher at Boston University who is testing on virtual roadways autonomous cars with his team and they are using a straight hey this is what we've trained the algorithm in the car to do versus a these are new roads if you know cambridge massachusetts where i lived for years you know that there are roundabouts where five cars converge on a circle and you have to figure whose car is it anyway whose turn is it anyway so they've given them some twists and turns of unfamiliar roads they're at a 92 percent safety rate at both of those virtual scenarios. So it's coming. I don't know, 92% isn't good enough for most of us, but will you be okay if a virtual, if a, an autonomous car shows up and people say to you, it's 99.9% .9 safe and wonderful, would you ride in that car? Let's go around a yes or no answer. Ashwin Manapali, yes or no? Uh, maybe. maybe. I'll take a maybe. Tom Madonna. In a controlled environment, uh, yes. Uh, on an open road, no. Okay, Marcus Bolivan. Yes, and I want to take Tom on his first flying taxi one. <laughs> That's my next question. Carrie Brown. Yes, and to your point of testing and supply chain, I think we'll see autonomous trucks very soon. Oh, oh really? And even for the, won't they have a, a person driving for that last mile? I've read that they'll, they'll get them to that point of last mile and then a person has to show up. Hey, okay, uh, let's go to Makun Rao. What, what do you think? I think it would be a no. The government won't allow till it's ninety nine point nine nine nine. It's oh, we got to add a couple nines in there. You got to add a few nines there in the end. It's uh, even. So, my, my answer would be no. Even okay. Statistically, oh. it will be better than uh, teenagers driving, but. Isn't this interesting? Or as, as somebody said, maybe senior. I'm not going to go there. Saiyan Bose, what do you see? Yes or no? What do you I say? I will drive it. I will ride it. Yes. You would ride? Yep. What an interesting. Richard Howells, would you? 
I'm a fast follower, so yes, but after Marcus, Kerry, and Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> and now let me ask another question for the whole panel. Let's go around the room one more time. We have a couple more minutes. And I have, at the end, you're going to all follow me, and we're going to wag our fingers because we have a call to action at the end. So get, get ready for that finger wagging. I'll tell you in a second. So the question is, if you have the option to go into a car sharing program, we've talked about that for years. I didn't hear an awful lot about that today, but will you subscribe? Okay, I need a, an off-road vehicle because I'm going somewhere. Carrie's going into the mountains somewhere. And I need a, a fancy vehicle because I'm going to a country club for dinner. Oh, my. Or I need a sports car because I want to impress somebody or I just want to ride fast. And I'll just get that car on my subscription for the amount of time I need it and the model and the make. And I'll sign up and I'll plan my vacation around that car on my trip. Okay. So would you rather go into a subscription model for driving or would you rather keep your keys in your pocket for your own car around the table keys versus sharing ashwin sharing and one thing that i will say is that automakers have to make that sharing not just a dress redressed up leasing model and they have to make it really compelling in order to make that happen thank you tom madonna keys or sharing well, even if I did sharing, I still have the keys in my pocket because at this point in time, I'd be driving for the full month. So long and short is no, I would not be doing sharing on a day to day or hour by hour basis, but sharing to drive a vehicle by month by month. That, that is something that's here today. Very interesting. Carrie, sharing or keys? Both. I have a friend who does exactly what you described and they change the vehicle based on what they need week by week, SUVs, convertible, etc. I would say that I would probably still want the, the joy of a car. And so I suspect I would have a car that would be my car that I could use um, as part of that. But I would love a sharing to look at the purpose-built vehicle choice. Nice. Mukund, what do you think? Exactly, exactly. A hybrid model. One for me, nobody touches it. And one for the long long haul is for the shared car. Cyan, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Keys or share? I would have both. I, I mean, it's my car designed, customized for me. But yes, for special occasions, maybe... But yeah, my key. Ah, special occasions. Richard Howells, where goest you? Sharing or keys? With Tom on this one, I would go with shared as long as I always had one at my location. There you go. And one of my wishes, two of my wishes for 2022 for manufacturers is make sure you know where your inventory is. That screen door for six weeks was for me and uh, I waited and they told me it's not available anywhere anyhow anywhere anyway major retailer you can imagine which one yes and they said to me I went on their website and found five of those screen doors at three different locations within 10 miles of my house and I emailed the sales lady and I said I'm going to cancel the order that you say you and your manager can't find because I can have my friend with the truck pick it up for me 10 minutes away and quickly she said oh we've got one and they delivered it the next day Oh my, second thing, design cars for design cars for short people because I'm driving a very luxury computer on wheels right now and where I sit, I can't see the push home or media or whatever on the console from where I'm sitting without looking away from the road, which I cannot do. So think about short people. That's all I can say. <laughs> we have got to go. 30 seconds. I want to thank all of you. It's been absolutely lovely. No, I'm not buying a golf cart any soon, anytime soon. I don't decorate that. Okay. I want you all to wag your finger and 
All right, come on, Marcus. There we go. Everybody wag your finger. And if somebody tells you that the future is already here, you're going to join me on the Ken with three and say, no, no, no. One, two, three. No, no, no. Because, and I'll tell you why, that was yesterday's future. That's already gone. Today's future hasn't happened yet. And we're all going to stick around and make it a so much better one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Panelists, don't go away. We got to take pictures. Thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer, and Ryan Treasured Voice America. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.